0: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. We continue our week. Of getting ready for the start of the Cleveland Guardian season. Uh, on Friday, we'll have CJ Nitkowski, longtime big leaguer, longtime broadcaster now, one of the voices of the Braves, but he does a lot of stuff for MLB radio. That's coming up uh, actually tomorrow on Thursday. Well, I don't know. It depends on when you listen to this. But anyway, uh, today we have Jim Rosenhaus. Jim, of course, one of the two radio voices of the Cleveland Guardians. Jim, always so kind when when I've worked with him in the past, when I've been out a good year or to guardians games so it'd be great to talk to jim the 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 spring training games have just started and where do the guardians stand in the al central we'll get into all of it with jim rosenhouse one of the voices of the guardians when he joins me next right here in the bullpen with adam the bull you're in the bullpen with adam the bull All right, we are back, and we are now joined by one of the radio voices of the Cleveland Guardians, Jim Rosenhaus. Jim, when I was going out to spring training quite often, early in my Cleveland days, uh, Jim was always so – and I really appreciated this, Jim. I, I mean it. You were always so helpful to us. Like, we were new to I, – I was new to Cleveland, or fairly new. I mean, after a couple of years, I wasn't. But you were so nice to us. You were so helpful whenever we broadcasted there, and I really appreciated that. And I don't know if I've said that to you in a couple of years, if at all. So I just wanted to say thank you again for being such a a nice host whenever we'd come down to a Goodyear.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Adam. And uh, hey, it was great to have you. And I know it can be intimidating sometimes because there's nine million guys, half of them have jersey numbers above fifty, so you're not you're not quite sure. And and I know you guys wanted to get you know good interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. So happy to help.
0: Yeah, and it was great. And we—I remember one of the interviews that stands out that we did there was I, and the first time I interviewed Francisco Lindor before he had even made his major league debut, and you could tell, like this—this this guy's way more polished than the typical whatever he was, nineteen or twenty-year-old AAA player, right? Like you—you you knew that already with Lindor.
1: You know, it's funny with with top prospects. Sometimes you hear whether it's people in the organization on the, on the front office side or, Oh, this guy's can't miss, you know, he's special. Everybody's special when they're drafted in the, you know, the top (laughs) 10 picks, but a lot of them don't turn out that way. Um, But Lindor, you know, he lived up to that. And, and I think you saw that before he even got here uh, the way he carried himself, it was always just a, a matter of when, not if he would make the major leagues, number one, and then it didn't take him long to become just a key part of, of some really good teams.
0: One other, Before we get to this year's team, I want to talk about one other guy I interviewed back in the day who was just a – play. we interviewed him a couple of times, and he was a pleasure to talk to. I'm sure you felt the same way. He was a great player, and he just retired. And that's Michael Brantley, who, of course, sadly is the last Guardians outfielder to hit 20 home runs of the season. But, man, he not only was he such a – good like, Michael Brantley's not going to the Hall of Fame. We know that. He's not a Hall of Fame player. But – He's a guy that 20 years from now, you'll think back and say, I was a hell of a ball player, that Michael Brantley. Not a Hall of Famer, but he was a good major league player. Seemed like a great locker room guy. I love that guy. He's one of my all-time favorite Indian slash Guardians players.
1: I I mean, when he got to Houston after here, right away he was Uncle Mike, which I think tells you a lot. And and here um, he will always be remembered. And it's sad because he was hurt for the postseason run in 2016, I still maintain if he was healthy, maybe the results would have been a lot different. Might have not ever even gotten to a game seven against the Cubs, but um, he was such a big part of those teams. And when he left, they had some real searching to do to find someone to to fill that gap. And in some ways they still haven't done that. Um, There are some certainly good candidates for that now, but, um, he meant so much to what was a really good group.
0: I want to talk about on this new group, and that was a great group. Uh, you mentioned to me before we started this interview that you recently spoke with Estevan Floreal, and I've been talking a lot about him lately because I think he, of of all the young guys in the outfield, has the best shot or has the most upside in terms of power. He's done all he can do in the minor leagues. He's, you know... Now we find out, is he a 4A player or is he a legit major leaguer? He didn't get much of a chance with the Yankees because we know they're always bringing in veteran guys, and he never really got got limited at bats, not great. But the AAA numbers and the minor league numbers in general are outstanding. He's a big guy. After talking to him, how are you feeling about Floreal right now?
1: Um, You know, he could be a huge key, and I I don't know, Bull, if it's to start the season. Um, Maybe they let him get going triple a um you know a lot of times with young players uh they they play well down here it's beautiful every day nice weather and all that but then april and part of may there's some off days the weather's garbage you know you got to play through some stuff and it's easy to get off yep. to a slow start especially as a young player so we'll see but he's going to get an opportunity here this spring there's no question about that and and we just talked he, he said look you know They gave me chances in New York, but when you look into that, I, I think he was being polite because when you look into that, did they really? I, I think it was more, hey, they needed a guy because someone was hurt or there was a roster move and a pitcher went, whatever. They needed an extra outfielder for a doubleheader or something like that. Um, he really didn't get a chance to settle in. The power is there, and he, he felt he made some really good adjustments last year to – maybe make a little bit more contact and really take advantage of his power because right now strikeouts are an issue and they may yet be at the big league level, but he's going to get an opportunity and of his outfield position center, he's a a center fielder in his mind, which is great. Um, So we'll see how much of an opportunity he gets. I mean, your incumbent miles straw, I know takes a lot of heat from the fans. Um, And for
0: me, and
1: he is fully aware that yeah. he needs to uh, get to a certain level offensively. Something we saw right after he was traded over from Houston, he was fine. But something's gone gone wrong the last two years where he basically hits with no power whatsoever. He has made significant adjustments this this offseason. It's interesting, though. Um, Stephen Vogue mentioned it today in, a, in his press conference uh, how everybody or a lot of players make adjustments in the wintertime and, and the what they try and encourage guys to do is stay with your plan, no matter what happens in the games. But so often you see a guy go over three in a spring training game and they go right back to what they were doing. So yeah. we'll see if it, it holds
0: for straw, but Florial could be really interesting. Jim, you mentioned Stephen vote. I mean, it's gotta be weird after you've been covering this team for a long time. Uh, that Terry Francona is not the manager. First, you know that part, and then you know you got go from a grizzled old veteran, a former ball player like the current manager. But you're talking about a guy who's been out of the game forever in terms of a player versus a guy who just got out of the game. What a big difference! But how's it been so far? Um,
1: Big difference in that way Um, from an age standpoint, absolutely, and managerial experience standpoint, absolutely. But what's pretty neat is. Um, Stephen Vogt has come in with a plan, um, helped by the front office and his coaching staff. And today was the first official full squad workout. And, and it was great. Like, I, I mean, look at spring trainings in most places are very similar, but I mean, they were getting stuff done today and it was running like clockwork and he's got a kind of a, a Tito way about him in, in terms of how he looks at the game and, uh, encourages players, and you know, just the thing I was talking about. Don't worry about an O for three in a Cactus League game in February. Stay right. with your plan, and and do what works for you. Do what, you know, you have made the changes for a reason. So um, there is some of Tito in him. Um, there'll be endless comparisons, I'm sure. It's human nature, but uh, in general, I think most players that I've talked to, they say it's been great. There's good energy. It's a young team again, and and there's that, and. Um, it's different voices, but sometimes that's okay. I'm sure they'd be fine if Tito was still here too, but it's a new voice and and they're ready to (laughs) roll with him and, and, see what happens.
0: Sometimes it's good to make a change. Even if the previous manager was a great manager, it's sometimes you need a new voice. Uh, Jim, two of the most important guys in the lineup, two of the best guys, certainly Jose Ramirez is the best player, but Andre Cimenez, you know, got an extension recently as well. Neither one had a great year last year. Uh, Jose was banged up a little bit as he's been in recent years, but you know, they need, obviously if they're going to be a contender, they need vintage Jose in the middle of the lineup. And I'm sure they'd love to get the Jimenez. They got in 22 uh, here in 24. And I think he was terrible last year, but he wasn't as good. So how, are they, how do they look so far to you? I know it's early and, um, are you confident that, that those guys could bounce back to their the levels they were at?
1: Uh, Hosey's fine. Uh, yeah. You talk to everyone, and they he he plays every day in some form back home in the wintertime. Not not traditional winter ball, but he'll yeah. he'll get. I don't know if you want to call them pickup games, but he gets his batting live batting practice in because there's kids or, or maybe minor league players who live in his town and. They'll go to a, a field and and play. So he's always doing something, and and he's coming. He looks great, and um, the respect he has from his teammates is is unparalleled. Um, Jimenez, you know, talking to him today, he he played in the WBC last year. And he's not using that as an excuse, but um, it was so exciting. And then he came here and tried to build up again, and and got into some habits that didn't work for him at the plate. Right here's. I'll run some cliches by you. The one I'm not going to say is this guy's in the best shape he's ever been because yeah. um, everyone says that in spring training. But sure. uh, he he just felt he was trying a lot of times last year, trying to do too much at the plate and, and rushing yeah. things with his swing. So uh, he did not have the offensive season that he had the year before because he was just not necessarily trying to hit home runs, but definitely trying to do a little bit too much. And it led to a lot of easy, weak ground balls to the right side, things like that. So he feels like he's gotten back to where he needs to be, timing wise. And we'll see how it plays out. But certainly the potential is there for him. And we did see it at times last year, just not consistent.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And and you talked about the WBC. He also signed that extension. You wonder now, a year later, no WBC, the extension. You know, already behind him. If he kind of calms down a little bit, I do. I I expect him to bounce back. I think they'll both have really good years. I, you know, Bo Naylor. Uh, we know you know Josh took his game to another level in 2022, and then took his game to another level in 2023. Finally, come you know, because his inability to hit lefties, I, I, I had kind of given up. I'll be honest, I, and I was wrong. I had given up. I was like, the guy's excellent against righties. You can't play him against lefties, and he proved me wrong. And I'm happy he did. He did a great job, and I love him. I love his brother too. I think his brother's going to be really good, and I'm excited to see him play. I know they brought Austin Hedges as the veteran, but I'm expecting to see Bo Naylor catch 120 games. Is that crazy?
1: That's not crazy, and and I think you, if he's healthy, I yeah. think you'll see that unless he really really struggles early on. But sure, um, I think it's fair to look at the last month and a half of a year ago mm-hmm. when he was tremendous. I mean, it's seriously statistically OPS wise over a thousand. Nobody does that. Um, so again, smaller sample, only a month and a half, but, um, he's bulked up a little bit more for the rigors of catching that much, but I, I'm excited to see what he can do over a full season and he will be the frontline catcher. Hedges knows that I talked to him yesterday. Um, you know, maybe he's a twice a week guy, but he is on board with trying to help Bo become the best catcher Bo can be in addition to helping the team when he does play.
0: If this team is going to make a jump, we know the Guardians are not going to be top of the league in home runs. I mean, that's obvious. But you can't be last either. So if they're going to make a jump maybe to get towards the middle, it's you know obviously Jose and Jimenez are guys you expect, and Naylor to some degree. But it's Florio potentially. It's certainly Bo Naylor. And then Kyle Manzardo. Now they got him in the trade last year. For Savali, I'd like to think he's going to make the club out of spring training if he plays well, but I'm, you know, we'll see. But even if he doesn't, if we see him May 1st or whatever, the power's there, the potential's there. He's probably their best prospect in terms of power, or at least their best ter- prospect in terms of power that's almost, if not ready, to play in the big leagues. Once he gets to the majors, whether it's April 1st, May 1st, or whatever, how big a factor do you think he will play, especially in that power game?
1: You know what, Bull, I, I don't know power-wise. I mean, he hasn't okay. had huge power. I know he did in the Arizona Fall League, but
0: yeah.
1: Um, I talked to Chris Valleca this morning, the hitting coach, and he, he said his stance and setup reminds him a little bit of Wade Boggs. Now, he's not wow. saying he's going to get 3,000 hits, yeah. and he's not saying he's just a singles hitter, which Boggs right. at times would load up and try and pull one out, but um, – wow he does think there's more in there in terms of power from what he's shown so far which is decent yeah so i i don't know though that you right away he comes up and you say there's a 25 homer 90 rbi guy he may grow into that as he gets more comfortable with his swing at the major league level um it's going to be really interesting cuz if you look at the the roster right now i don't know that there's a spot for him to play every day and i i don't think they'd want to bring him up here to play two, three days a week. No. Yeah. So that not. that's going to be the interesting part. Where do they envision right. him getting at bats, regular at
0: bats? Yeah. I want to go to the pitching, Jim, and we were having a conversation on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show recently about who, if you had to bet on one Guardian's pitcher to win the next to be the next one to win a Cy Young, who would it be? And I said Gavin Williams because ultimately I think he has the highest ceiling of any pitcher in this staff. Would you be with me, or would you pick someone else?
1: And not counting Bieber, who's already won one?
0: Right, right. Yeah. I, I, well, including uh, Bieber going forward, but yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, you know, I get what you're saying about Williams. Yeah. Uh, I thought Tanner Bybee, the stuff was not quite as electric, but really good. Yeah. Williams yeah. is just a, a tick above, but... Bybee's got really, really good stuff too, and I think he's a little yeah. more
0: polished. Um, so I'd go with Tanner Bybee. Okay, I mean that's yeah. fair. The fact that we can, the fact that you can make an argument for Bybee, Williams, McKenzie, Bieber, sure, and I would, you know, if you want to get crazy, even Emmanuel Klasse, uh, you know, not that a reliever is likely to win it, but uh, that's a listen. If the, we we know if the Guardians are going to make the playoffs, their pitching's got to be great. That's it's, it's that absolutely. Simple. And they can be, I mean, they have that potential. They if, stay healthy.
1: If Bieber's Bieber and all indications yeah. are that he may have taken a jump back to some really good stuff, not too long ago. Nice. Um, and McKenzie's healthy. And I talked to him yesterday and he says, he feels good. Um, you know, everything went according to plan in the off season. So um, you just hope that, that he can be durable enough to, to give you enough innings to be a, a real right. good factor. And I'm not sure how they manage that, but, um, he's a difference maker. We saw it in 2022
0: for sure. Yeah. Jim, we were talking at the beginning of this interview about, you know, the 2016 team and all those great guys. Well, one of those guys has come home and that's Carlos Carrasco. Now he's not the pitcher he was in 2016. Uh, and, and like Brentley, he wasn't able to pitch in the playoffs, unfortunately, but we know how popular this guy has been. He's easy to root for. I don't know what he's got left in the tank because he obviously struggled mightily with the Mets last year. But I'm rooting for him to make this team. And I think it's interesting. And I don't know if this is their plan, if everybody's healthy. But, but you know, early in Carrasco's career, he struggled a little bit. And then he went to the pen that year, of course, and he pitched great. And his career was fantastic after that. You wonder if it's full circle here, he ends up being an effective reliever. I don't know if that's the plan, but it's something I thought about. What do you think, and what do you think of having him back?
1: Um, I love it. Your sentiments about rooting for – we're not supposed to root for guys, right?
0: Mm. Nah, baloney.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to. Like, You yeah. hope he makes the club. That would be yeah. really cool. Um, I don't think he's in the rotation to start. Yeah. The fascinating thing will be – do they envision him as as a depth starting piece? So do you want him pitching every fifth day, piling up the innings at Columbus, so that he stretched out? Would he even go there, or do you keep him here, like you said, put him in that role that that he was kind of lit his career and, and put him on a good path, yeah. and then if you need a starter, he's there and ready to go. I, I think that scenario right there is most likely because if if everyone stays healthy, I don't think he's in the rotation on opening day, but I think he makes this staff as a long man, um, maybe something more than that too. And then they see what they have.
0: And it's such a young team, you know, having a winner, a guy who's, you know, been through the wars, a great clubhouse guy. I mean, yeah, if I'm battling for the last spot, do I want another young guy or Carlos Carrasco? I mean, that seems to make sense.
1: Yeah, especially early. Um, let yeah. a young guy get going at, at AAA or AA, wherever right. you send them. Um, let them have some success so that they come up hot. Uh, nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah. Scott Barlow, we talked briefly before the we started the interview. Uh, I was mentioning I thought he looked a lot like Josh Hader. And uh, Barlow's been a guy, well, not as good as Josh Hader, who's been a good relief pitcher in this league. He was a closer for the Royals. He was very good in in 21 and 22. And then last year he struggled mightily with the Royals, but then he got traded to the Padres and he pitched better at the end of the year. What What are your expectations for him this season? Um,
1: I think he'll be huge for the bullpen because they've got to figure out a way not to overuse class a and Stefan, mm-hmm. um, both of them yeah. heavy, heavy usage the last two seasons. Right. So if they can figure out a way, you know, when you look at the one run record and the difference last year to the year prior, it's significant in a bad yep. way. So many closed games, um, you know, class A with 12 blown saves is as much as anything else. That's an indication of the amount of closed games that, that the team was in. You know, there were no, there were very few of those three run one inning yeah. saves where, you know, they're, they're kind of tailor made. So, I think he'll be huge. Uh, it was funny talking to him this morning. He said the, the best thing about being here is that he doesn't have to face the lineup anymore because for a while there, it, yeah. he just said it was they'd kill you. Like, they, it was hard to get through, and, and he had some rough ones against Cleveland, and so he's kind of happy to be on this side.
0: Last thing I wanted to hit on, I want to wrap it up with Stephen Kwan because I think he's becoming a leader on this team as a young player. I'm a big fan of his, and he he did he came on the TV show recently. It was a great interview. I got a lot of respect for the guy because he's not afraid to talk about like mental health and stuff, which some players are scared scared to talk about that stuff. And I commended him because he was on MLB Radio. I heard him about a month ago, and he was talking about how he felt like an imposter, he had imposter syndrome when he was a freshman in college. And I'm like, how many players would admit that? And and there's got to be a lot of young ball players out there that said, "Wow, Stephen Kwan's a big leaguer now," and he admitted that he had. Some mental things he had to overcome. I, I I thought that was great, but he's also beyond that, a hell of a player. Um, and uh, you know, you look at his war through, and a lot of it's defense because his defense is great. But his war through two years as a left fielder is up there with some of the all time great players. Now I know some people like war more than others. I have a lot of respect for the stat, but but uh, not seems like a guy you you'd like to have twenty six Stephen Quans on your roster.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, he's a straight shooter. He's a good self evaluator. Um, you know, he won a gold glove again last year, but he said, you know, I, I didn't have the year I needed to have offensively. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't, wasn't that far off of the year before, but just enough. And, and he was saying that, you know, early on in the season, he was worried about, uh, being dropped in the lineup, maybe taken out of the lineup and Tito brought him in and said, Hey, you're, you're a good player. You're fine. You're not getting benched. You're not getting moved down in the order. Just go no. play your game. We'll ride it out, and you'll be good in the end. And and he did pick it up as the season went on.
0: If you last thing, Jim, uh, your house is on the line right now, and you <laughs> and you like, have to you have to take to win a chess match. <laughs> Stephen Kwan, Tristan McKenzie, Bo Naylor, or I can't remember who, who's the fourth person in this tournament. I can't Edges. remember. And Hedges, okay. Who are you taking to save your house? I
1: I think it's over. Do you know who won?
0: No, I don't. Tell me.
1: I don't know either. They're going right now, I think. (laughs) Um, And I think it was down to Hedges and Naylor made the finals.
0: Wow, that's an upset right there.
1: Yeah. Kwani, I I thought, was a shoe-in, but (laughs) – So, yeah, I, ooh, I'm not betting my house.
0: Oh, I, not betting that I'll, house. I'll lose That's the bad. house. <laughs> See, you're smart. Most people would bet their house, but you're going to be smart and say I'm <laughs> I, not betting that. I got you know
1: we're gone for a wild spring training, then we open on the road. But eventually I got to go back to that house, and I, it needs to be there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jim, thanks, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks to Jim Rosenhouse for joining me on today's edition of the Bullpen. Uh, Great to chat with him. He obviously is optimistic about this team. Uh, More optimistic than I am, but I do think it's possible that if the pitching stays healthy, that this team could win a division because I don't think anybody in this division is any good. Kansas City, I like their offseason. I think they've improved some, Uh, but I don't think Detroit's any good. The White Sox are terrible, and the Twins, who won the division last year, I think have gone backwards. They've lost a couple of key pieces. They traded Polanco away after trading a rise away the year before. Sonny Gray's gone. So it's going to be interesting. The division is up for grabs if the Guardians can hit enough. We shall see. All right, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks to Monzo for producing. We'll talk to you next time. Where else? But right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bett Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.